As soon as I sat down, I just heard the scripture from Psalm 32, verse 7, and it says, You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble and you surround me with shouts of deliverance. And I just feel the word of the Lord for you today. He is shouting for you. He is shouting for your freedom. He is shouting for your deliverance. He's shouting for your healing. He's shouting for you to see. He's shouting for you to hear. He is so for you, then who can be against you? No one can come against you. No thing, no height, no principality can come against you. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. And it shouts for you. Every moment, sleep or waking, it's shouting for you. So that was that. <laughs> All right. Have I got my, can I have my heading slide up, please? Thank you. He is deliverer. Phew. Um, so this actually, this message all stems from a dream I had during the week, week blah, which I'll share with you a little bit further on. But I just wanted to lay some groundwork for it because we're all in different places of um, growth in the Lord. We have different understandings of things. Um, but I really believe that this is a day when things are going to get crowbarred out. Stuck places are going to become unstuck. Um, there's going to be freedom in the house today. And it's generational, like he gave me a word for the generations. So I'm just going to start by defining what uh, to deliver, deliverance actually means. And it says, relief from captivity, slavery, oppression or any restraint to rescue from any danger or evil. I'm going to read that again. Relief. So that's that moment when something happens and you're just like, oh. A weight's just come off. Relief from captivity, slavery, oppression, or any restraint. And I'd like to add in there bondage. Rescue from any danger or evil. Now you can look through, I think Old Testament is brilliant because in every book of the Bible, pretty much, there's a story of deliverance of some kind. And I just, um, I'm just going to pull like a few examples because there is just so many. <laughs> the Lord was very faithful that whilst the people wouldn't necessarily meet with him um, when he invited Moses and all the people up to the mountain, he, like, he desired interaction. He desired close contact, the in-your-face kind of God. And they refused but in his faithfulness, he sent them deliverers over many generations. And they all prophesied. Their actions, they were like, there's these things in the Bible. So I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's called a prophetic act. And so it, what it is, it's an action that happens. You still see it today in intercession a lot um, where you will go. It's like, okay, I'm going to give you an example. It's like the Lord's drawing a line in the sand. And so it's like you're imagining a line being drawn. And it's like, it stops here. And I even feel the anointing on that with what's coming up. It stops here. And the Lord is inviting then to cross the line, the line in the sand. And so in the natural, as an act of the prophetic, we step over the line and we're saying, I'm all in Jesus. Have your way. And so... 
when you see those things in the Bible, so you see deliverers, you see Noah, um, Samson, David, like there's so many. Um, it's like a setup for Jesus because he's the ultimate deliverer. And they were all, so all those prophetic acts of those people that the Lord faithfully gave to Israel were a sign of Jesus the Messiah that would come and bring deliverance for his people once and for all. Okay? So we're going to look at just quickly at Genesis in 7 and verse 1. And so this is Noah been building an ark. It's never rained on the earth before. And he says it's going to rain. He had zero understanding of what that was. <laughs> But he was faithful and he built it. And the Lord found him faithful in all the generations that were alive on the earth. There was that much wickedness that only one family the Lord found righteous. And so Noah, so, so Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. And so then they go in. The Lord closed the door. And then it rained, something had never happened before. And then they were floating on the waters. And then when it came time, when the ark came to rest and the, like the waters subsided, then the Lord said to Noah, go out from the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. He delivered creation and he delivered a seed. He delivered a small group of eight people. Then in Exodus, we see that he delivers the Israelites out of Egypt. Now, the Lord had had told Abraham many generations beforehand that the people would actually go into captivity for 400 years. Like, how good of God is that? Like, gives them the heads up. This is what's going to happen in the years to come. And anyway, so now we're going to Exodus and Moses is an adult. He's kind of run away. Um, in the has this is the burning bush encounter that he has with the Lord. And for those that don't know, um, he, the Lord called Moses aside while he was um, looking and leading his sheep, and he pulled him aside because there was a bush that was on fire but not actually being burnt. Supernatural event. And he says, the Lord says to him, or the bush actually says to him, <laughs> "Take off your shoes for where you stand is holy ground." And so anyway, the Lord speaks to Moses and he says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. So they were in captivity, under slavery, oppressed and being restrained. And he wanted to rescue them from any danger or evil. He said, I know their sufferings and I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites and the Jebusites. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me and I've also seen the oppression which with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. The Lord just laid before Moses his plan of deliverance. 
Now, something I found, this is just a side note, um, that I found really interesting in this is that the Lord repeats twice about the oppression of the Egyptians on his people. When the Lord repeats something, it means something. It's like take notice. But I also think it can, in this case, go, I'm annoyed about this and it's enough. Enough's enough. <laughs> and also, as justice, he will give the Israelites, so they're 400 years of oppression, he delivers them and he gives them the land of six people groups. That's a lot of land. The Lord believes in justice. The Lord is a justice God. And so when he sets us free, there's always an upgrade. There is always recompense. It's his nature. He's not a poverty God. He's an abundant God. And so then the Lord tells Moses to go back and say to the people, that I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will deliver you from slavery to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will bring you into the land that I swore to give Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and I will give it to you for a possession for I am the Lord." I feel the weight on that because the Lord doesn't just lead you out. He deals with the one that has been hindering you. That's when it says the great acts of judgment, he dealt with the Egyptians. He parted the Red Sea and they crossed into it. And when the Israelites got out, it closed in on again. That was when the Pharaoh died. (laughs) It was a great judgment. So the Lord shouts for your deliverance and he deals with your enemies. And you can, Psalms is brilliant for seeing so often over and over and over again how the Lord had delivered David from the snare of the fowler, from the hand of the enemy, even from their words. Okay, so now we're going to look at Jesus. So I might be rushing, I'm trying not to. But I'm so excited. I couldn't sleep last night. I was that excited to give you guys this word. It's like Christmas. Woo! I know, right? But it's so good when he gives you a word that means the captives are set free. Because that's what he paid for. So good. Okay. So then we come into the New Testament where Jesus would become the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets. And he would become the deliverer. And it's quite interesting because they expected him to come in as a ruling king, you know, with a sword and destroy them. Maybe just even a word to just go die and they would just fall down dead. (laughs) But he left his deity (laughs) and power in heaven to come down and be known as the son of man. But when he laid his life down and he fulfilled it all and rose from the dead with resurrection power, he sealed our deliverance. And so we can see in Luke 4.18, I'm laughing because in the prayer thing, Kev's like, Luke 4.18, the Lord gave me this. I'm sitting there giggling. (laughs) 
So the context is, is that he's just been baptised by John the Baptist in the Jordan and it says the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for 40 days with no food or water and he encountered the enemy there and then, you know, the angels came and they nourished him at the end of the 40 days. And so then he went down to the synagogue and he... They, hand, they handed him a scroll and it happened to be the scroll of Isaiah and he read it out and he just said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. I love that. Hang on, I'm just going to quickly read from the Isaiah 61, which is where he was quoting from. Because when the Lord did what he did by laying his life down and raising up from the dead, before he went, again, because he was raised from the dead and then he was with the disciples for a period of time, teaching them more, and then he left. But he gave them a commission and he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age." So there was a, trans, a transition that happened as such. Jesus like demonstrated, and you can see with all the miracles he did, he demonstrated what it looked like. And then he was like, okay, now you go. And it's quite funny. Um, I don't know if anyone's just watched the latest bit of Chosen. And it's got this scene of when he sends out the disciples. And he, and he goes to them, um, hang on, where is it? Oh, he says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. And, and then he you know, gives them other instructions. And they're sitting there going like, sorry, what? What? How? Are you coming with us? Kind of thing. And he's like, you go, I'll meet you there. Kind of, that's pretty it's not what he said but it's pretty much it's like when you go I'll meet you there so now we have become the deliverers he delivers us and now we deliver others and so when you when we go into our homes when you walk into a place the enemy is on high alert because a deliverer has just arrived and stepped into the room when you go into the shopping center the enemy scatters and those that dare stay are watching and waiting because a deliverer just walked in the room. If you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, baptised in the Holy Spirit, you're a deliverer. It's part of your identity. It's part of your DNA now. And um, when I was first saved... The church um, that I was had, the Lord had me planted in, had kind of come out of this swing of deliverance. Now I'm talking about casting out demons, deliverance. 
and it had gone like, you know, like how pendulums some, like usually swing over time one way or the other. And so it had gone wildly one way and it was coming back down. And so I came in at a period of time when deliverance just wasn't at the forefront anymore. Um, and it, I actually think that it was kind of just ignored because a damage had happened as well in that. And so the pendulum was swinging and it's coming again. It, but it doesn't actually have to be a pendulum. And I don't believe this time it will be a pendulum swing. I believe because the bride will know their identity of who they are in the Christ and they'll know that I just stepped into a room and I have deliverance. Each of you are called to a deliverance ministry. It's the call of every Christian to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers and cast out demons. Now the question is though, is are you going to tolerate the enemy being in your space? And knowing that you are the one actually when you walk into a space, it has to move. In John 1, it says, um, like, Jesus was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God, and He was the Word at the beginning. And the light, the, sorry, and the light came and the darkness could not comprehend it. It's, it's like that when the sun rises and how the darkness flees, that's what happens when you walk into a room. That's what happens when you walk outside your front door onto the streets around your suburb. And so... I just know that the Lord is downloading a fresh confidence and a fresh zeal to see the captives set free. And it's not because we're chasing demons, but it's actually because we have the Father's heart of love for people. And so it's not just about seeing demons flee. It's actually about seeing someone restored to their identity, restored with dignity to the Father and getting an upgrade that's what it's actually about. Mm. Just, um, John 8.36 says, For whom the Son sets free is free indeed. No ifs, no buts, no maybes. Free indeed. It's already done. Then we just approve. In our own lives, we just appropriate the rest of it, the working out our salvation with fear and trembling. Alrighty. Yeah, I know, right? Thank you, Jesus. I just want to tell you what he delivered me from. When I was um, 14, I was... um, I only, only first heard the gospel when I was 13, when my brother was killed in a car accident. And I, obviously I was in a state of trauma because it's like I was the oldest, he was the youngest, and my parents were falling apart, as you understand. But we didn't know God, none of us in our family. I don't even know where the next in our generational line is a Christian But God in his mercy reached down and led a priest to our home. Like my mum, for some reason, decided that she wanted a priest to do the funeral. 
And this man talked of probably my first encounter with a true shepherd. And he came to our house every day. And he loved on my dad, who was so hard-hearted, so angry. He was just, he was angry in life. Um, Volatile, just so much just bottled up. And it was always walking eggshells. Anyway, this man, he was like the quaintest, think, now think stereotypically. Sorry, anyone watching this, I apologise, but he really was. Stereotypically English Anglican minister. But he just showed up every day for weeks. And he did the um, service with our family and then he'd be back at our place and he was just always calling in and just sitting with my parents. And I remember this one day he said, can I pray for you? And I'd literally just walked into the room and sat down at the table and I didn't know God and I didn't even... Like I wasn't even, I knew he came over, but I didn't know any of the conversations or anything. Anyway, and mum and dad were like, oh, yeah, okay. Um, and I just put my head down on the table and he prayed. And I, had, I didn't know, I'd had a small encounter like, God, if you're real, when I was about seven and he fulfilled it. And I just went, okay, put that on the shelf. I had no understanding at all of who God was. I just, okay, there's a God. Okay. Anyway, and as he prayed, I can't remember what he prayed, but I just remember feeling so held and like this thing that I'm in, in the middle of my trauma, in the middle of like the world literally spinning faster than I can see, I'm not alone. And I just wept and it was actually the first time I had cried since going to the hospital and finding out my brother was dead. And it set me up like, a, okay, he's, he really is real and he can actually reach me no matter where I am. And then a bit later, like I had no framework, so I went a bit skew-if, but... The, I went to a youth camp and i um been cleaning and I came in at the end of it. It was a worship song going on. Um, and I just stood at the back and I just had my hands out. And in the middle of this worship song, I just had my eyes closed. I don't even think I was singing. and But I had an encounter with Jesus. And he showed me in front of me, it was a path and it, there was a fork in the road. And Jesus was literally just standing right there. And he said to me, he said, you have a choice to make. And I was like, okay. And then it's like my, I was standing here, but my sight went down to the left-hand thing. And I saw, I saw drugs, I saw alcohol, I saw prostitution, and I saw an early death of suicide. And that was, my, that was, that was what was waiting for me down that path. And I literally... And I didn't even ask, you know, what's down the right side. I just literally just turned to Jesus and I just said, but I just want to be where you are. And that was it. And he delivered me in that moment from so many things. So I want to encourage you, no matter where you are or where anyone you know or love is, they're never gone. They're never gone. The Father reaches down into the innermost pit 
Psalm, uh, can't remember now. But he says, you know, where can I go that you are not already there? I can go down into Sheol, which is hell. This is David saying, I could go to hell, but you're already there. Did you know Jesus knows the secrets of hell? <laughs> it's pretty profound. Phew. Mm. Okay. So now I, am, I want to share this dream with you. So I've just asked Andy if he would come and play for us. Um, I felt the Lord say to me this morning when I was just going through this dream that it's actually there's an anointing of deliverance on it. Mm. Play whatever you want to play. Mm. Okay, so I'll start. So this was Thursday morning at three o'clock in the morning. Um, so this was the dream. I was among many family homes, and families were on the streets running in every direction. Each house was separated from one another and it was like none of them were not typical suburb where they're close together, but they were apart. So you could drive a car between every house. So there were families on the streets running in every direction and people were terrified. My family was one of them. There was a giant T-Rex and it reminded me of King Kong slowly chasing us all, like delighting in the fact it was causing terror. As it was moving, people weren't running into the houses because they thought they were unsafe as this giant might crush them as it went. There was a house close to me just on my right and this T-Rex King Kong thing was hot on my heels <laughs> and I just thought I cannot outrun this thing I've just got to go into the house and so a 90 degree turn and I ran inside the house and it was a glass sliding door so I just opened it went through and as I turned to close the door I could people were running frantic down the street and I looked, at the, I looked at the handle on the sliding door and I thought, oh, should I lock it? And then it was like, no, I won't because other people may need to get in. And then I, the house was pretty much empty. And then I moved um, just to kind of like a little half wall and then there was another sliding door and I ran around to that and um, there was a bit of a patio area and Ian, my husband, was just out the side and he was looking, he, he, was like, he was always like gauging the danger threat and he was, he was looking and then I opened the door slightly ajar for him about that wide and, and he came in and we just left it ajar and then I woke up and I wasn't fearful, but rather just like, all right, what is this God? And I asked him, okay, so what was that giant T-Rex King Kong thing? And he said, 
It's intimidation. Then he said to me, I want to break the back of generational intimidation. I then asked, what, does the, what do the houses represent? And he said, it represents my name. And I asked him, I said, okay, what is the strategy for this? And he said, come under the banner of my name. And then I heard Proverbs 18.10 that says, His name is a strong tower. The righteous run in and they are safe. As I sat down to write the dream and what Jesus was saying about it, He expanded it for me. And He said, I want to break the back of generational intimidation that has terrorised and scattered families from one another. From the corporate strength of family, from their authority and from their calling. And He started to unpack in front of me of what intimidation does. It's one goal is to keep you in fear. That's it. Because when you're in fear, you'll keep running and you'll run past the houses. You'll run past the name of the Lord, the strong tower, because you're actually in a um, fight, flight, freeze, fawn state. The enemy wants to keep you in that state. So you'll run and you won't perceive or see the safety of the Lord. You won't speak up. You won't step into sonship. You won't step into your calling. You won't love others because you'll always be protecting yourself. You won't know your identity and you won't resist the enemy. You won't step into the plans and purposes that God has for you. See, intimidation uses silencing tactics. It uses bullying. It uses domination. It uses fear of man. It uses control. And it is part of a Jezebelic assignment. And today Jesus wants to break the back of generational intimidation. just to give you a bit of background on what the Jezebelic assignment looks like. Um, Elijah, a prophet in the Old Testament, had just had destroyed multiple, multiple, multiple false prophets that were under the rule of Queen Jezebel, her name was, who was married to the king of Israel. I'm pretty sure it was Ahab. And she was all those things She was dominating, fear of man, controlling, sexual immorality, and she'd done many other horrific things that I won't mention. And the Spirit of God filled Elijah and he destroyed all these prophets. And then the report came back to him because... Jezebel heard what had happened and she said, I will do the same to Elijah. And he ran and he hid. 
He was intimidated. He silenced his voice. I really actually believe that it was actually the call of God on Elijah to destroy Jezebel. Instead, someone else had to come along and do it, a man named Jehu. So I want to ask you, there's a couple of things we're just going to do. I'm going to ask if this is, if you feel like there's, you've been marked by intimidation in your family line. Um, I'm going to ask you to stand up short in a minute. But first of all, also I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance because as part of the generations, we've actually partnered with it as well. I know I had. I was raised in intimidation and I had then, you might not have known it, but I got intimidating too. (laughs) And doesn't always necessarily look like lording it over someone, but it's the bullying. It's all those things. So if you are willing and you feel this speaks to you, the Lord wants to shout deliverance over you today. So if you've been marked by intimidation that's generational and you would like to bring it to the cross, bring it to the authority of Christ, would you be willing to stand? So Jesus, we come before you and we just know that this is a Kairos moment that you have ordained before the foundations of the world, that this is a day of deliverance from generational intimidation. And we just even yield to your desire to break the back of generational intimidation. And every area where we've come into agreement, Father, we repent where we've dominated, where we've tried to control, where we've manipulated to have our way, where we've allowed pride to be a shield over our hearts to self-protect. We repent, Jesus. We repent. We repent, Father. And so in the name of Jesus Christ, who paid for it all, we take authority over this generational intimidation in the name of Jesus. And today we say, you are done and you are finished. You are finished terrorising families. You are finished silencing the people of God. You are finished. You are finished. You are finished. 
And Jesus, I just ask that You would even release Your Spirit of might upon Your people today. That today is a day of overthrowing the enemy. Today is a day is breaking chains. And so Jesus, just every knee will bow and every tongue confess that You are Lord. And we just thank You, Jesus, that today intimidation bows. Intimidation's knee bows. Intimidation must go in Jesus' Name. And so, Father, we just thank You for Your anointing to come upon Your people, Jesus. To come upon Your people. You set the captives free, Jesus. You set the captives free, Jesus. You've already paid the price. And so today we appropriate it, Jesus. And we say, yes, You set us free, Jesus. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And every Jezebelic assignment, we cancel you in the name of Jesus. We cancel you in the name of Jesus. We bind you and we just send you back to where you came from. And we just release the captives. We release the captives, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And Holy Spirit, would you come now? And just redeem identity, redeem authority, that we know whose we are. We know who we stand for. just asked um, me to lead the room in a generational prayer so we can pray prayers to um, break that generational thing and place the cross between us and the generations we've come from. So this is not a blaming thing about our generations. We bless the generations we've come from. Um, But what we want to start doing is repenting on behalf of the generation. So Lord, we just bring our, our blood mother's line and our blood father's lines before you and any adopted lines, any fostering lines. We just bring our bloodlines before you, Father, and we stand in the gap and we just repent all the way back for in any ways that we as men or women, men can have the Jezebelic thing as well. We just repent in any ways that as men or women, we have used intimidation to insert our power and we've used fear and we've come into agreement with a spirit of fear and domination, control, witchcraft, or in any way that we've given away our voice and we've come into passivity, we've come into the false refuge of passivity. If I just um, stay underneath the battle, then I'll skip it. So Lord, in either way where we might have um, abdicated our seat or where we've dominated from our seat, Father, we just repent on behalf of our generational lines. And Lord, we we turn around and we forgive our generational lines. We just forgive every person who came into agreement with that and has kept it going all the way through. Father, in any time that there's been people in our generational line that have used um, silent treatment and offence and cutting us off as a way to punish, in every way, Lord, that the trauma in relationships has been, I will cut you off until you do what I want, until you change or to make you do um, come back into the line. Lord, I just pray that you lift off the trauma of being cut off cyclically as a way to be steered through life or a way of parenting. 
And in every way, Lord, that the extreme of the of the of the intimidation has included violence, Father, um, physical violence, verbal violence, sexual violence, Father, violence one on one or of whole people groups or violent parenting. Father, we just repent on behalf of our generational line for the use of violence as an extreme form of fear or in any way that we have joined in a people group using violence all the way back to wars in our history. Father, we just repent on behalf of our bloodlines. We repent on behalf of our bloodlines and we forgive our bloodlines. And I just pronounce over every um, person represented in this room, if you have um, asked for repentance, the Lord has completely forgiven you and your generational line where once there was sin that was red as scarlet, it is now white as snow. So far has He removed the sin from you. And we, your brothers and sisters in Christ, forgive you and the Lord forgives you. And so right now, Father, we place the cross between every individual here and their, and their bloodline in the name of Jesus. We just place that cross right now in Jesus' Name. Pray that You take the sword of the Spirit and cut us free from everything that's not a blessing. We receive all the blessings from our generational line. We receive it all and we thank You. But everything that's not a blessing, we just ask that You would take that sword and sever it. Sever every spirit that has come through as well that has been familiar. And Lord, we also... Um, I, I, I heard in the night... Um, that we need to relinquish the perceived benefit of using intimidation. Because some of us might wanna come out of agreement with intimidation, but actually the perceived benefit is what makes us keep turning to it. The love of the power, the love of feeling like we are safe if we use it. It's the love of the self-protection. It's the love of the control. It's the love of inserting that manipulation or the domination and that love is got to go. Intimidation and fear and strife is not our friend and it's not a refuge. We need the true refuge, the true Lord Jesus. So Father, we renounce the refuge of intimidation. We renounce the refuge of fear. We renounce the perceived benefits of using walls or, um, or disconnection with other people to insert power over them. We renounce the perceived benefits of inflicting pain or asserting domination as a way to keep ourselves safe. We renounce being the keepers of our lives and being our own refuges. You are the only true refuge and Lord, it can feel very vulnerable to come out of our, our false um, way of keeping ourselves safe, but we don't just come out into the open, we go to the true refuge. We just renounce those refuges and we just come into the refuge of the true Lord Jesus. Would you just come and wash us now, Father, from the imprint of those ways of thinking, those ways of relating. Father, the generational ways of the patterns of the parenting and the relationing, the relating to each other, the offence, the talking about people. Would you come and wash us from the imprint right now in the name of Jesus? I pray for your shalom peace and your light and your life to come and fill every vacated place right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your light and your life to come and fill every vacated place right now generationally in the name of Jesus. I just pray for peace and love. We pray for your love to fill us right now in the name of Jesus, that we can walk through life in peace because we don't need to use fear to keep us safe. 
Would you draw out that fight, flight, fear response? Lord, anyone who's stuck in that sympathetic state, Lord, of that trauma response, Jesus, would you just draw it out? Would you draw all shock, terror, fear, rage, shame to the cross right now in the name of Jesus? Would you just draw fear and the spirit of fear out of this room right now in the name of Jesus? You're the only one who can build security in and make us safe. Would you just come and build security in in every vacated place right now, Jesus? True security all across the timeline of our lives. Would you go all the way back to the beginning and build security and trust in, in a way that only you can? Would you come and settle us? Build security in, in the name of Jesus. Build security in, a deep peace. I felt like the Lord wanted to deal with night terrors as well. Oh, thank you. So Jesus, we just come before you. And Father, just every assignment of nightmares, of torment, of terrifying Every assignment, Father, we just cancel in the name of Jesus. We bind you every tormenting spirit. We bind you in the name of Jesus. And we release the shalom peace of God over dreams. Father, just release blessing over those night watch dreams, Father. Father God, I just thank you that it becomes a place of safety with the Lord. Jesus, there's a place of conversation with you in our dreams. So Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would even come and settle on the minds of your people. The peaceful mind of God. There's always peace. Father, I just thank you that there's some here even now that are Joseph's with the gift of interpreting dreams. We just thank you for that anointing. We receive that gifting to understand and perceive the mysteries of God. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus.